Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu slash certificate to learn more. Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. When people try to suppress your vote, and there are people who stand against you because you are too young, we say no more. When politicians say that your voice doesn't matter because the NRA owns them, we say no more. In a little over six minutes, 17 of our friends were taken from us, 15 were injured, and everyone, absolutely everyone, in the Douglas community was forever altered. Every day, 115,000 children are being put to death through abortion. All those lives are now gone. All that potential, gone. You're listening to MindShift, the podcast where we explore the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Katrina Schwartz. I'm Ki Sung. Katrina, those are some powerful speeches. I know, right? That was David Hogg, Emma Gonzalez, and Leah Mills. They're all student activists. You know, I remember after the Parkland shooting, reading an article about how these kids came to be so eloquent, and a lot of it had to do with their school. Yeah, I mean, they went to a really well-funded public school, and they had debate and drama and um, an incredible student journalism program. And many of the kids who kind of rose to the forefront of the movement had participated in those things. And you can really see, I mean, at least from my vantage point, you can see how effective those programs were. Yeah, I mean, they are fearlessly calling out politicians in a way that's getting even adults riled up. Youth are rising, water is life. Together we stand, united we fight. Everyone wants a place to live that is clean and healthy. Youth are rising, water is life. Take the climate strike, which happened last spring. We're witnessing a massive shift in youth engagement around the issues that matter most to their futures. I wanted to know what's behind that shift and how similar is it to what's come before? And are kids learning this stuff in school or is school getting in the way? I'm Anna Ostrovsky. I'm a senior at Terra Linda High School. I met Anna at a rally in front of Representative Nancy Pelosi's office in downtown San Francisco. She looked like a hippie child, sandals, loose striped pants, and a yellow tie-dye crop top. She held a homemade sign that read, what I stand for is what I stand on. She was trying out a new slogan. Her other protest signs were home because they felt a little overused. I've also been involved with this since I was like in the first grade when I learned that polar bears were dying. And I was like, why are no adults doing anything about this? Not every kid at the climate march had been working on this issue since first grade. Some kids just wanted to skip school and be part of the excitement but they knew their climate science. We're writing notes to Nancy Pelosi. And you're just putting them on the wall? Yeah. Cool. So do you think she'll see them? Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. She's better. <laughs> I know. 
Anna and thousands of other kids around the world look up to a 16-year-old named Greta Thunberg, a Swedish teenager who's been skipping school every Friday to protest climate change in front of Swedish parliament. Here she is giving a speech in Switzerland. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I want you to act. I want you to act as if you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if the house was on fire. Because it is. And it's not just about climate change. Two million people around the world participated in the March for Our Lives, a mass movement for gun control sparked by the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. By some estimates, it was one of the largest displays of youth activism since the Vietnam War. And we've also seen the Dreamers and other groups seize the microphone. Santa Clara University professor Jessica Fernandez studies youth movements. She sees young people applying tactics from the civil rights movement, but with their own unique twist. They're also very savvy with the use of technology, and I think that's an advantage that young people today have that has allowed them to really mobilize in very effective strategic ways. Fernandez says young people have always cared, have always put themselves on the line for their beliefs. But now they're just so much more visible and viral. Young people are also positioning these problems and these movements as generational movements. They know they can't do it alone, so they've been inspiring grown-ups to their cause. These are young people that have been affected by these issues. These are uh, youth who are concerned about their safety, their future. They present a compelling story because of the lived realities that they're experiencing and live in, in ways that can make it more real and palpable to adults. A lot of youth activism starts at school, the place students know best. But depending on where they go, they may have an easier or harder time balancing their instinct to push back against the system with the need to play the game. I followed up with Anna Ostrovsky a few weeks after the march. She's the young woman in the tie-dye crop top from the climate strike to ask her about this balancing act. Oh, yeah. Sorry. How's it going? Good. I met Anna at her school, Tara Linda High School, in Marin, an affluent San Francisco suburb. It was a beautiful, warm spring day, and she took me outside to show me one of her favorite places on campus, the school garden that she helped plant. This is a greenhouse. This is your greenhouse? Yeah. Wait, you built this? Yeah, 30 juniors and some adult volunteers. We built this. Um, the greenhouse is 12 feet tall and has an aquaponic system inside. That's incredible. We start basically everything from seed in the greenhouse. The rest of the garden is beautiful and a bit wild. It's full of colorful raised beds. This used to be arugula, but it's kind of gone crazy with weeds. We have a lot of flowers growing. There's a lemon tree over there. Um, Anna doesn't understand why more people aren't horrified by how we're destroying our environment. To her, climate change isn't some theoretical problem happening to others. She's lived its effects in terms of drought and wildfire. Anna remembers one time in 2017 when her family was close to evacuating because of California wildfires. I was like leaving for school and my mom was like putting all of our like photo, family photos, like in a suitcase in the back of the car and like... Like, it was just so scary. She's seeing the effects of a changing climate all around her. So when adults drag their feet dealing with the problem, she gets frustrated and angry. It's hard because people 
continue a lot of people just continue to go about their everyday lives like everything's fine when like other people's homes are burning down and all I want is to help but like at a certain point you can't do anything so it's just like it's just really overwhelming (laughs) she hates feeling helpless earlier this year Anna got to attend the Goldman Awards which honor environmentalists Al Gore spoke in the beginning he was just like he just seemed very emotional to me. Like, he just seemed off. Like, something had happened in his day or whatever it was. Like, he just seemed so frustrated and done. And I was just like, wow, like, Al Gore is done. Like, shit. <laughs> like, we're screwed. <laughs> it's sad, you know? Like, what? Like, this is this event where we're celebrating all of these amazing environmentalists who have, like, devoted their lives to this. Um, but, like, is it enough? I don't know the answer. Um, yeah, I definitely cried. But Anna doesn't like to dwell on the dark feelings. She says we have to move past the doom and into action to reverse what's been started. She spent four years pushing her school district to reduce energy use and cut waste. But she struggled to get them to take her seriously. Um, it's really demeaning, um, especially when you have adult men like looking at me and just saying, you know, wh- why are we doing this again, Anna? Like, what is this for? And I'm just like, everything. <laughs> Anna's mom, Alice Ostrovsky, has watched her daughter bang her head against the bureaucratic wall. She says ever since Anna was little, she's had an instinct to help those who are weaker. Alice called it baby bird syndrome. She's drawn to be a helper, to identify people who just are in need for whatever reason. For my husband and I, it made sense because we saw this sunshine, optimistic, glass half full kind of little person in the world. Alice worries about Anna's tendencies sometimes, although she's also inspired by her daughter's idealism. It's a hallmark of youth that a lot of adults have lost. The belief that if you speak with urgency, people will listen to you. I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. Or that confronting a senator in her office will change things. Yeah, I'm talking about a certain famous video of kids confronting Dianne Feinstein in her office. Anna wasn't with them, but she's watched that video a bunch of times. But we have come to a point where our Earth is dying, literally. And it is going to be a pricey and ambitious plan that is needed to deal with the magnitude of that issue. And so we're here asking you to vote yes on the resolution for the Green New Deal because that is the only thing that resolution that will not pass the Senate. And you can take that back to whoever sent you here. Alice, Anna's mom, is herself a child of the 60s. She's named for Arlo Guthrie's famous Vietnam War draft protest song, Alice's Restaurant. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. And she's marched in her fair share of protests. She was out on the streets with Anna for the Women's March, for instance. We live in extremely demoralizing times. Um, And I think that's why... The youth activism that's happened in the last couple of years in particular is getting the attention it is and is resonating with so many people because we are frustrated, tired, and depressed. But if serious amounts globally of young people um, motivate in a connected way, maybe there's 
a little bit of chance. But she also knows how slowly change happens, if at all. I still err more on the cynical side right now, but um, but it's hard. I try to keep that to myself because <laughs> my kid's going to save the world, and she's really sure about that. After the break, we're going to dig into two other related questions. How can you save the world without being able to vote? And what role does school play in giving students the tools to make that change? Stay with us. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Make sure to find ones that are the same size so we can glue them together. I'm trying to keep the ones that are the same together. Okay, cool. Maybe you want to start gluing. I was just going to keep that one. I'm in a small basement room of the San Rafael Public Library with Anna Ostrovsky and several other teenaged environmental leaders from all over Marin County. They're making bookmarks to give away at a fundraiser for a local outdoor education farm. I have goats and sheep and chickens and ducks and a big garden that I'm very jealous of. The room doesn't have a lot of personality, but the teens in it do. Seven of them are chatting and teasing Lori Gerstenfeld about prom. I don't feel, I just don't feel the need to go to prom. You may hate it, but it's your senior year. Like, I feel no need to like get in a dress and feel awkward all night. You can or Lori is a senior at Redwood High School. Not wanting to go to prom actually fits with what I know about her. She also quit the swim team after a summer volunteering to improve drinking water in Nicaragua, an experience that changed her. Swimming felt dumb now. She wanted to focus her time and energy on more serious things. And so I came back, I you know, emailed my coaches, like, I'm done. Um, and <laughs> they weren't, um, one was like really mad, the other one was like, I understand, but like he was mad. Um, <laughs> At this meeting, she's frustrated about a composting battle she's waging against her school's administration. Students have volunteered to stand by the trash to make sure it gets sorted correctly, but the admin are dragging their feet. At first I was, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I don't want to make any waves. And then I was like, wait a second, like, we need to get this done. I need to make waves in order to make that happen. Um, and 
Another girl, Jillian, says sometimes she just wants to be a normal teen enjoying her senior year, but she can't turn off the part of her brain that knows the world is in trouble. I want to have fun and call my friends, and I'm going to college. Like I feel, I feel like the beginning of the next chapter of my life. But also, I want to have a life in 30 years. You know, I want to have a world to live on in 30 years. So. These students live in a suburb surrounded by incredible open space. They're aware of how privileged they are, and they value education. But right now, it's frustrating that school often feels at odds with their activism. They say their schools treat walkouts like unexcused absences, and missed work is hard to make up. That can seriously affect their grades. They're very single-minded and like, you know, here's what we're doing every day. If you miss it, you know, there's, there's no excuses. You still have to make it up, which I understand, but I just, I wish they had more flexibility. This is where school leaders and teachers can sometimes seem hypocritical. On the one hand, teachers say the point of school is to gain knowledge and skills to impact the world. But when kids want to do just that, they say, stay in class. Homework is more important. It's so hard to miss a day of school, especially in high school. Um, it, it makes it really hard to take a day off to do something like this, even when it's all you want to do. Plus, students say they've learned so many real-world skills through activism. Jillian explained. Being organized, which is what school wants you to be organized, like goal-setting, leadership development, and becoming more confident in yourself and public speaking. All of this is stuff, like speaking right here to you, all of this is stuff that we're learning how to do on the go, um, which I think school is trying to teach us, but it's just so much slower (laughs) at it. They're not saying that school is unimportant. It's just rigid. And the message is always about pursuing your passions later. But by some estimates, the world will be feeling dramatic, irreversible changes by 2030. Teens are starting to feel like there's not that much later left. So, Key, after hearing Anna's story, you might be tempted to think that she's this amazing kid who's so different from every other kid out there. But that's just not true. She's like the other teens? Of course she is. I mean, she watches YouTube. She loves Snapchat. You know, she fights with her brother. It's just that she's gotten to learn in a different way. She's really gotten to explore her passions and her leadership skills through this magnet program at her school. So, like the Parkland kids, her story goes back to school. Yeah. And her program is called the Marin School of Environmental Leadership. But it's something that could be replicated. That's promising that it can be replicated. So what does Anna like about it? Well, it's project-based, and there's a lot of choice over how students show their learning. And it's really real world. I mean, Anna has presented in front of the San Rafael City Council, and she's been to school board meetings, and she's built a greenhouse, and she's had internships. And all of that stuff has allowed her to hone her public speaking skills and really think about strategy. So it seems like we're going to see more of her in the future. For sure. And, you know, first up is college. But then she said she wants to run for elected office. She says her generation needs to take matters into their own hands. Sounds like she's already doing it. She's a baller. And I'm sad to say this was our last episode of the season. We really want to thank the MindShift fans because this season came from you. We asked about the issues that mattered to you most and took your ideas to heart when we were developing this season. We heard that you're concerned that kids don't love learning anymore. That teaching has become arduous, full of paperwork and top-down initiatives and tests. And we know all that's true. 
But we want to remind everyone it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't. And there are places where change is happening. And we'd love to hear more of your ideas. You can see all that we do online year-round by following us on Facebook and Twitter at MindShiftKQED. Or get our stuff straight in your inbox by signing up for our email newsletter, kqed.org slash mindshiftnewsletter, all one word. But the most important thing you can do is tell your friends about this podcast. We all need a little more joy. Hooray for joy! Thanks so much for listening. We love you. Mindshift is produced by me, Katrina Schwartz, and Ki Sung. Our editor is Julia Scott, and Seth Samuel is our sound designer. Julie Kane is our head of podcasts. Ethan Lindsay is executive editor for news, and Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. Big thanks to Anna Ostrovsky, her mom Alice, and all the student activists who share their concerns with me. And thanks to Jessica Fernandez and Ben Kirshner. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.